your generation was probably expected to work 50, 60 hours and not bitch about it. Yes. And that's a metric we use, right? We're like, oh, I worked 80 hours last week. Yeah. And we bragged about it. We bragged about it, right? It's like a badge of honor. Welcome to Boomer Meets World, family from three generations talk honestly about life and differences while showing vulnerability and passion. I'm Therese and I'm the Boomer. Amanda is an elder millennial and Dominic is Gen Z or the Zoomer. We're not experts. We're just having conversations from our own individual viewpoints. We hope you'll enjoy the show. So earlier this week, I was in a conversation with one of my best friends and a roommate of mine about the differences between grind culture and hustle culture. And admittedly, I pretty much thought they were synonymous with each other. But apparently, even in my generation, there is some difference in attitude and perception between the two of them. Wait a minute. And, I hmm? need to ask you a quick question. Yeah. What does this pertain to? Because is well, it like hustler and grinder or is it? <laughs> oh, my word. Grinder no. is a sandwich to me. Just <laughs> And grinder is an app to some people. Okay. In well, my I just... generation. Okay. So what is it relating to? Okay, so it, they both relate to work ethic in some degree. And okay. it's kind of related to the whole quiet quitting phenomenon that's going on and social media and stuff like that. Essentially, they're a thought process or channeling of energy towards work in a very, I would say, overproductive way. I thought it was like grind culture and hustle culture is meant it like you're putting in extra hours you work late, you care about your work, you're trying to get from point A to point B as quickly and effectively as possible. So that requires you to put in more work than, and more effort than other people. So where I thought grind culture and hustle culture are the same thing, in my generation, there's a little bit of differences where like my generation will see grind culture now is actually becoming like toxic to some people in my generation where they're like and that's like where the quiet quitting comes in and they're talking about setting boundaries and taking advantage of your boss and your work and all that place right and hustle culture has this whole other connotation around it so i guess before we get into the weeds too much i'm wondering what each of you think about just surface level grand culture hustle culture same thing not and then we can go into differences in applications and possibly your life. And if, are you on the grind? Are you in the hustle culture? Stuff like that. So T, what do you think? I'm trying to figure out what this all means. I have a good work ethic, I think. But I don't know where I would categorize some things. I feel like there are a lot of people who... I think Amanda said this uh, episode or two ago, half-ass it, and that drives me crazy. So maybe I'm one of the grind or hustle culture people. I just don't know exactly which because I don't know the exact definition. It'd be like, I don't know if there exactly is a definition. It's more of like, instead of being a punch-in, punch-outer, you're the one that's going the extra mile. But it requires a lot of effort. Yeah, Amanda, what do you you guys I guess when I hear those two words... Grind, and this is just my own off the cuff definition. Grind culture is, 
I think what you're more accustomed to, Therese, which is like, you're in early, you're out late, you work every day, you take very little of your vacation, and you're the person that kind of sets the bar where you work as a, and that's like a very anti-Gen Z approach. And hustle to me is like, you're a hustler. Like you're going to do what you need to do to get by and advance yourself toward retirement age or retirement status as quickly as possible. So you have like, you hustle, you're working. It's not that you're lazy, but you're doing just enough so that you can, it's more of the work hard, play hard kind of situation, I guess. So like hustler to me is somebody that's got like three different part-time gigs that they're juggling, but they still manage to take a lot of time off. They can travel, they can do what they want. They have more flexibility. They work hard, but they're not doing that punch in, punch out daily grind. Whereas I think people, and I do think this is generational, I think elder millennials for sure. And then definitely boomers, Therese, we're more grinders. Like we were up early. We, we work hard. We have a lot of output day in, day out. We don't take a lot of vacation. And that is, that's the bar that we set. So self-care isn't a word. Self-care and quiet <laughs> quitting are not parts of our work uh, etiquette, if you will. <laughs> and I wish they were, but they're just not. But I, I not. hear in the Gen Z generation, at least from Dom's perspective, they try to be much more balanced in how they approach work, work to live, not live to work. Is that correct, Dom? Yeah, I would agree with Amanda. You're probably more in the grind culture camp. You just don't know it or didn't call it that, right? There was just like, your probably generation was probably expected to work 50, 60 hours and not bitch about it. Yes, and that's a metric we use, right? We're like, oh, Mm -hmm. I worked 80 hours last week. Yeah. And we bragged yeah. about it. We bragged about it, right? It's like a badge of honor. We're exactly. <laughs> but and see, we're where, where I, I agree with you, Amanda, more like, so grind culture is just like, I'm on the grind, you know, I keep working, work, 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 right? And hustle culture as in like, in a more advanced form of that, like quickly as possible, you know, working 80 hours, multiple jobs, trying to find the next way up the ladder, right? The whole rat race thing. I almost think of it as more entrepreneurial too, the hustle culture. Yeah. And so that's what I thought it was too. Like you're just trying, like you have this mindset, like you're not just going to be a worker. Like you're also going to try to better things and you're going to make things happen. Yeah. Um, You're not just going to be a day in day outer, but where I guess the th- conversation got a little lost with my friends was now i guess there's a new connotation coming to like the whole hustle culture which that's putting aside all of that quiet quitting stuff we can come back to that but in my generation there are people i've evidently that when they hear hustle culture they're actually thinking of like literal hustlers in a sense of people taking advantage of other people to to make their ends meet right mm-hmm. like hey invest in this thing and I'm going to give you a 20% return and then they like scamper off with your money and now they're gone and they, they don't care. Like Bernie Madoff's <laughs> exactly what yeah, I was thinking. Like, like complete toxicity, grandeur, narcissism, all that stuff where like they think they're making a lot of money, but really they're just ripping people off. They're hustling and they're not people. Really, yeah, yeah. Like literally like the, like the original form of hustling. But I, so I guess that's becoming more synonymous in my generation now where I thought I was like more Amanda thought process of hustling was a more advanced form of grind culture. 
you know, but and not necessarily a bad thing, I guess. Right. Like, yeah, not necessarily like yeah. you're putting in more and like, maybe you could still have an unhealthy balance between like work and pleasure and social life and relationships and all that stuff. But at least you weren't like screwing people over like a Ponzi scheme or right. pyramid scheme yeah. or any stuff like that. So coming back all around, that goes hand in hand with the whole quiet quitting stuff going on too. Now is that, a lot of people in my generation are like, you know what? We're sick of this. We don't want to do either. Like we don't want to put in the extra hours and not get compensated for it. We don't want to take on extra challenges without immediate reward. And then we're definitely against the scumminess of ripping people off and pulling all that bullshit. And I think it's probably mixed. Like, you know, I like to work, so I don't agree with that. But I'm just kind of curious what you guys see, like with the whole quiet quitting thing. And what do you think about from your generations? Did you even have that quiet quitting? I don't get it. But, you know, did that take did that take shape in any kind of form at all? We talked about half-assing a little while ago, but is that the same, is that the same thing? I don't think it is. Amanda? With the, the myriad of definitions for you know, grind versus hustle. I think I'm still, I'm still very much grind, you know, I, and I probably to my great detriment, I'm, I'm a grinder. It probably limits, you know, where I could go in my career because I think of it that way. And I don't necessarily kind of free myself from the bonds of like, oh, I need to work really hard and have a, have a high, you know, quantity as well as high quality, but high quantity of work output in order to show that I'm doing work, which is, I think, not the most efficient way to approach your career at this stage. When we have so many tools, we can we can work smarter and not harder. But those of us who are so used to working hard continue to work hard, and that's not a great. So quiet quitting, which is a phrase that I admittedly loathe, because I just, I think that has always existed. I think it's just subpar people. Those are the folks among us who have always just like, you have a job so that you have some stable income and then you live your life. And the job is just a background thing. That's not my mentality at all. My job is like very central to like my self-worth and my self-value, which is probably not great, but I am a child of capitalism and it is, it is what it is. So I don't know. I mean, I think among elder millennials, which I I like my little subpopulation amongst the millennials <laughs> as an elder millennial, I think that's important because it's a pretty big generational span, right? It's like yeah. people born up into the mid nineties, and I was early eighties. So, amongst elder millennials, I think quiet quitting is not really a thing. I think we would we just kind of classify people as either hard workers people that you know work a decent amount and then people who half-ass it, people who show up, do the bare minimum. They work in places where they know they can hide and they're it's so easy to hide in the private sector in companies. <laughs> like it's just like you can be, you're just a cog, you're a cog. And if you're a shitty cog, you're just, you're in the shitty cog section. Like it's easy to, to just kind of eke it out. I've worked with those people. I've managed some of those people. So quiet quitting, I don't think is a thing because I don't see those people as having quit. They're they're there. If quiet quitting were a real thing, it would make it easier to kind of identify when somebody's slacking off. And then you could find a 
easier way to fire them. But that's just not something that I've observed. Like, it's still really hard to fire people. Oh, yeah. You know, even if they're lazy. So I think quiet quitting is just a fancy new term for people who half-ass it. And maybe it's a term that comes out of, that might be coming from millennials because it could be coming from younger millennials who were trained on the grind mentality and came into work, the work environment, you know, after they graduated and thought, okay, here I am. And we're really disillusioned by the grind and have now decided that they're quiet quitting when they do less than really good work. So I, I guess you could, you know, differentiate the quiet quitters from the just straight up lazy people. In that regard, there might be a, a sector of quiet quitters who are actually potentially high performing people who actually just have become disillusioned with the whole idea and are now, you know, like, fuck it. I'm just gonna, just I'm gonna, act, I'm gonna operate like a regular, I'm gonna hang out with the plebs. Like I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> operate in mediocrity and that's my, you know, that's fine. My upper bound is now, you know, within the standard deviations of normalcy and not exceeding them. I still find it abhorrent. <laughs> it still really irritates me. <laughs> Because I'm a believer in the system that we have, and I think you need to participate in it. And I also, I agree that we need social programs and social safety nets, and I think all that is well and good. What stands in a little bit of stark contrast to that is my kind of self-determination and my desire to like work really hard to get myself places. And I believe in that too. So, but you need to have people like you in order to support the social. You do not these things. quiet quitting. Let's not go into those weeks. Not the right quiet now. quitting. No, bitches. we're not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You have to have both. You know, you no, have you to have, have both. People. Yeah. And and you're you're right. From my standpoint, having worked longer than either one of you have been alive, I realize that there more has, than 38 years. Oh yeah, I've been in radio more than 38. Really? Years. Oh fuck me. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I, I, the more you I, know, there, there's always been people. There have always been people that will just sit on the sidelines and do the very least amount to keep their job. It still does. It pisses me off when someone who, uh, you know, there's not cutting it. So they take their job or something out of their job and hand it to the person who's working 70 hours already and gives it to them because they know it'll get done. Instead of getting rid of the slacker and hiring somebody who can actually do the job, which is something I've watched happen most of my career, the definite boomer mentality is certainly grinder, but I also see myself a bit of a, a, an entrepreneur in that I've started some of my own things and taken control of my own job life and done some things on the side that I've carved out for myself in hopes of trying to get away from the man and what working are those for the man. Side hustles. What are those? She's well, becoming a hustler. I, I have, like you were I have on hustler. <laughs> I started an streaming music thing online and became a fundraiser and traveled doing fundraising, but I also do this podcast with two people in my family. I think all of those things, just trying to come up with different ways to do something you love that's non-traditional is 
something that I've always wanted to do and, and continue to do, but it is harder. I'm going to be honest with you, as you get older, to be that entrepreneur, especially if none of the entrepreneurial things are taken off like gangbusters and you need health insurance and you need to start putting money aside <laughs> to retire one day, maybe. So that's how I found myself back in the system, so to speak, because I really felt like, wow, I don't have any coverage financially, so I better do something to figure this out. Cool. Can you talk about the website or you're not allowed to? Well, the website is uh, the music website. That's oh, uh, that's the streaming thing. Yeah, the streaming thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was like, yeah, that definitely in that category puts you in, or that definitely puts you into the hustler category with the website. And that was twenty years ago. Started that, and just recently sold it to a group in Washington D.C. So twenty years. Oh my gosh. I mean, think about what was streaming and what was online and stuff twenty years ago. That was when you were five. <laughs> I don't even know if yeah. there are any MTV might have still been on. And well, there were things, but there was no Spotify, no Pandora. Nap- Napster. Napster was Lime around. Wire. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nice space. Nice. Yep. Uh, but there were, you know, there was no, none of the on demand stuff that you have now, like Spotify and Pandora. So that changes the ball game a bit, but we're off topic. Yeah. There we go. Looking at work as we come from different generations, I am starting to be in a place where I want to figure out how do I work less and still maintain my lifestyle. I'm not sure I can do that, especially, and this is something that we haven't talked about, but Social Security might not be around for very much longer. We're not going into that. It'll be there for you. It'll be there for you. I hope so. Mom and I are fucked, but you're okay. <laughs> I, so I you. hope you are investing. You. If you are under 40, please be investing heavily yeah, into no, things that you can. We're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah paying for it since I was 15 and in my first job. So I'm really hoping <laughs> that at least I get something out of it. Do you think that quiet quitters should get social security? No. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. <laughs> 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 um, you see, for the years between 27 and 35, you didn't put enough effort in, so we're going to dock you. 40%. We're going to take your. I think that's a great idea. And, uh, How the fuck do you prove that? No longer that? a citizen. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> oh man, but you know that's the thing that's hard. You have to have people who are willing to work hard and do crap jobs. Let's be honest, in order for others to not have to do those crap jobs. I mean, how many people want to clean a septic tank, for example? Yeah. Yeah. And that has to be done. But but, so somebody has got to do that kind of stuff. It's just hard to. So, so that's actually a great point. Not so quiet. Quitting is very white collar, right? Cause you can't quiet quit the septic pumping. Cause what are you (laughs) going to do? Show up and just not do it. Like you, how do you quiet quit that? That would be. Definitely an office it's job. Not, it's not quiet. Thing. It's not quiet when somebody's septic system is overflowing because you didn't know what you're supposed to do. That's very <laughs> no, loud. They're screaming. Yeah. Probably smelly. Someone's yeah. getting chewed out for sure. Someone's getting, yeah. Or multiple. That is a white collar. I just I just realized that too. That is a totally a white collar problem. Amanda mentioned the private sector, but also I think in government, and I don't mean that like Washington, DC government, but I my friend works in Nashville in city government. And there are a lot of people there that are just flying under the radar just to get 
the benefits. And it's, you talk about hard to fire. You have to murder somebody to get fired from that kind of government. I mean, I'm not kidding. There's so many protections in place. And she had a bunch of health issues, for example. And not that they would fire you for health issues, but lost a ton of time. And you're in in a small company. That would be devastating to a company to have an employee out for maybe a year and a half, the better part of a year and a half. And in the government... They can still function. So how many people are in those jobs that are just there coasting or gliding or whatever through and there are 17 other people who could step up and do their job? I have family members that work in government. I won't say where. God forbid I reveal. And you get them in trouble. Important secrets. But I have four people in my family and two of them work in government. And um, it's not me and my mom. (laughs) (laughs) But she's not going to say where. They constantly complain about people who are lazy. So I pretty much feel like government sector jobs is where they created quiet quitting. And they've been doing it for centuries. The rest of us are just catching on. And I think it's disillusioned millennials who are just like, "Eh." and then Gen Z is just, there's no quiet quitting for Gen Z. Gen Z is already like, Fuck the Screw man. Like, yeah. I do what I want. Like they'll send you an email that's just like two sentences. There's <laughs> punct- there's no punctuation. Like that's there's not no true. That's not like, true. They just do not give a fuck. <laughs> their heart's not in it when they show up. That's the big difference. Yes, they don't want to work. Period. They don't care. There's a huge number of people though after, well, through COVID and then afterward, who never went back to work. They just decided I'm not going to do this anymore. And my question is, how in the heck are they paying their bills? If they're they quiet still... quitting or they're out. Yeah, I guess that's a and good my, Mainly white, young white men is what I've heard are the ones who are just, I guess they're living in their parents' basement. But yeah, I know there's a lot in my generation that. What is wrong with know, those parents? Kick them out of the basement. Pa- I don't know because they want to coddle them, I guess. I don't how know. Many, I... How many basement dwellers do you know, Dom? I know a couple, at least. And I know people that did that, like after college and, you know, kind of just putzing around. It's it's hit and miss. You know, my crowd might be a little different just because I went to a private university. I think my generation is a slower pace. Like they're not necessarily in a rush to go out there and get everything figured out by the time they're 28. Because it's 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 really hard to do that right now. Yeah, it's they expensive. want to buy a house. You can't but buy a house. But they also want to graduate from college and make six figures without any experience. It's the same group of people. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit in the basement and still make six figures. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, that, there's definitely a disconnect there. And a lot of it is them being jaded. The millions are the ones that really, that's the generation that got screwed over a couple of times. Economy and college costs and all that fun stuff. And then I think Gen Z just kind of taps into their anger and disappointment. And yeah, Gen Z is it's it's interesting because there's a lot of people. I even get into disagreements with Maddie about this because Maddie's, you know, she's very adamant and aggressive about establishing her work boundaries, and I have to respect her for it because it's she's like, no, I'm not gonna do this extra thing. If I'm not fairly compensated, it's not like, hey, can you do this one thing? It's more of like additional responsibilities. Some jobs you can do that with better than other jobs, too. I know. 
she's in a contractual basis where like I'm not, I'm just salaried. So I feel like she has more room to negotiate. Whereas like I'm salaried and I'm also just not the person to be like, well, I'm going to need an extra thousand bucks to do that. And she's more willing to have those conversations. So it is interesting to see like even differences between us where she'll put her foot down and be like, no, I'm not doing it unless you give me the stipend. Oh my God. I would honestly love. She's a good worker too. I would love to quietly yeah. listen to her do that and then take notes and then fucking do it. <laughs> she's, she <laughs> I is. I love she's that. Very, if you can make it work, man. Salary That's negotiations. Awesome. I'm always like, bleh, bleh. like I'm such a little shrinking violet. Fucking pathetic. No, she doesn't love... get pushed over on that stuff. Oh, Christ. Does she also negotiate more vacation time? Because that's what I did with this job successfully for the very first time. I got them to give me more vacation time in lieu of more pay, which to me was more valuable at the time because to start a job all over again and go back to one week of vacation, no. Well, she works at she works at a school though, so that's kind of tough because you have the summer and then also you have to be there. So she's got three months of vacation time, so she doesn't need more vacation. Well, time. yeah, but I'm saying that's not really a negotiating point i mean I, she would love more vacation but the students are in class so you have to right. be that's there, not the le- there that's not the leverage that she has she has yeah other, she does not other, have leverage her, le- her leverage is you know her compensation and... again those poor people who work in the schools who only get three or four months of the year off i know the rest of us have shit. to work they get paid shit and they have to not everybody gets paid imagine shit. going to a place I don't want to be with kids. There are kids a thousand there. fucking kids every day. I, Fuck that. I would be hanging from the. I love computer. kids, but that would put me over the. And end. I do. I love my kids that are in my orbit, and but I do not like kids in aggregate. I do not. <laughs> they are like, little shitheads. No, fucking. I don't shits. like them in multiple numbers, like thirty kids to a classroom. Right. I can't no. even understand how kids and teens. I don't like to see them in groups. It's not for the best. The, the youth. That no good can youth. come of it. The youths. We don't like the youths. No. I still, I will I will cross the street when I see a group of teens <laughs> coming at me. I don't want to hear it. They're all loud. I'm just like immediately like, no. She is a curmudgeon. Get, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> okay, we're way off time. Boomer, you're a silent generation. You're is, 90 years old. You're your walker, grandma. She's older than oh, I am. No, um, it is nothing to do with. I mean, all right, you next time you're walking around, and you see a group of teens. I'm going to walk right me. up to them and say, "Hi, how are you?" No, they will I wouldn't do that. No. Or, or they'll jump me. They're I mean, savages, I'll talk shit back to them. I'm not going to avoid. Them. Yeah, I'm just carrying my own teenage trauma. <laughs> that's that's what that is. What I think is interesting is. Friends of mine, okay, so now I'm a boomer, and watching them raise their children, they wouldn't have them work in the summertime or get a job. Oh, they have too much to worry about with their high school classes and stuff. And I'm like, bullshit. So you're going to just hand them money every time they want it. And I have several friends that I just watched do this, and they coddled their kids, and now they're millennials. And how are they doing? How are those kids doing? Some of them not so good. Because they still need mommy and daddy to give them money and they're in their 30s and stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's. You guys it, fucked up the generation. Bad. But that's honestly, yeah. I boomers, know we did. Boomers are collectively you guys fucked that generation. some horribly passive aggressive enablers. Like that's, a, that's, that's exactly that's, why I wasn't. You guys a parent, cornered the market on that. Have everything <laughs> I didn't have. Exactly. Including love and affection. Yeah. But then by. As a consequence, we have none of what you have because 
we don't know how to get it. And, and you know, I would we're living there. under a completely different economic situation and we don't know how to cope. I mean, I'm saying we, not me. I'm a great armchair parent. Let me tell you right now, because I could tell a ton of my friends how they were doing it badly. <laughs> You're, and you're, I have no children, <laughs> but I would sit there and watch and go, I don't understand how you're not making them take responsibility even for anything ever. Yeah. I, I, it just was one of those things that I thought, and they're going to be running the world at some point, but they have, they have no idea how to do any of this stuff. They can't even wash their own damn clothes. You know, it's just crazy to me. But maybe that comes from the people you hang out with, because I remember I wasn't really thinking about getting my first job until my buddy mentioned it to me. And we were on vacation for Easter break. And it was, I must have been like a, I think I was either eighth grader or I was a freshman in high school. And he was like, hey, I'm going to apply to the country club from around where we live as a caddy. And I hear you can make a lot of money. And I was like, really? I was like, that's interesting. And then my brother and I technically had a paper route when we were like real young, mm -hmm. um, which was insightful. That sucked. And our mo mom taught us a lot of good lessons. I'll go into a whole tangent about that later. But my my buddy was like, yeah, let's go to the country club and work. And I was like, okay. And that's basically when I started working. And then I kind of, you know, caddy's seasonal and it's kind of at your will and wonder how much you want to make. But then when I turned... 16 and i was going to get my first car my mom's like i'll pay for insurance and registration you just got to pay for the gas and i actually definitely made out on that end of the deal because sure. it could have been a lot worse paying insurance at 16 years old could have sucked but you couldn't have I, done it you could I, no i couldn't no. did your parents consult my parents on like what to do like this is like that's like the playbook that's exactly like the same parent but, playbook, I think, when it yeah. comes to the car situation. I think that's yeah. what we not had everybody. They bought, it. they bought it. I yeah. had friends that got like new cars just outright bought for them. Like, yes. granted, my car was it was free, so it didn't cost us anything. But like, it came from a family member, and we had to pick up all the costs. And then again, that was the deal. Like, hey, you want to drive it? Well, you're also going to have to have like driving responsibilities for your younger siblings, and you got to pay for gas. So I got an hourly job and that's where it all started, basically, officially started. I was 15, I think, when I had my first real job, but I had babysat, I mowed lawns, shoveled snow, took out the garbage for people. I mean, I had all kinds of those kinds of side jobs, even probably starting at 10 years old because I wanted money to spend on candy. Or well, I think that's the difference. Cause like in my circle of friends, a lot of my friends also went and got jobs, you know, by the time we we're 15, 16. And like, we all wanted money. We all wanted to drive too, which I guess is not a big deal anymore for I high guess, schoolers. I guess maybe because of really? Uber they and don't Lyft. Care about driving? It's almost like 50% of teenagers don't have their driver's license. I couldn't I wait. My nephew one. who just, who's recently turned, 14 is all over it he's in driver's ed like he's going to get his permit as early as he possibly can he can't wait there's a lot of there's a lot of young kids like the like the the real gen z kids you know like the born after 2000 well, now i know what i'll be doing in retirement driving their asses around well i it's what i'm saying yeah. i couldn't but i couldn't wait to Make get out of the fucking house at 18 yeah. and then i was like 16 i was like oh my god i can at least temporarily leave 
And so I was driving around and it was a lot of fun. I like went and got my license as soon as I could, but other people, mm-mm. Do you think it's ambition it. in general that we see talking about quiet quitting? Is there a, a lack yeah. of ambition about a lot of things? How does that hit like a whole generation of kids or how does it hit a half a generation of kids? I don't, like, that's well, I think crazy. it could be a byproduct of just our situation right now. I think there's a lot of negativity. I think social media is an echo chamber for all kinds of bullshit that in addition to not being interested in driving, a lot of these kids are actually now withdrawing from like social media, right? Like that's a thing that's happening. So that would be a good thing, actually, I think. Yeah, I can see how all of that kind of puts you in the mind frame of like, look, I'm just I'm going to do what I need to survive. But work does not define me. Career does not define me. I'm not moving through the upper echelons of corporate America as something to be aspired to. I think that's a prison and I'm going to avoid it. I can see where they get that. I'm still going to do it because it's what I'm doing. It's, <laughs> it's kind of too late to stop. I'm it's You're too stubborn. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm, too, I'm just not flexible enough at this point. Like that's, that's where I be. So that's where I'm going to keep going in my little cage. But, you know, they're, they're rejecting the cage. And I think that's great. Is it though? <laughs> is no, it, is I mean, it great? But because I'll, they're not going to pay I'm for hoping, your social security because they are not they working. Any money. Yeah. I, my plan. I'm I'm getting my Italian citizenship and I'm going to fuck off over there and just live very simply in Tuscany. That's my plan. Well, social security creators and um you're assuming you can afford that. How expensive oh, yeah. is it to live over and there? Oh, taxes. Uh, oh, living in middle of nowhere Italy, absolutely affordable. Much more affordable. I'm just going to go schmooze Italy's and dirty. live off it's basically my Greece. family in Italy. Are you kidding me? If I'm going to go that over there, too. I'm just going to I think we all go them. over. I think we I all go it. over. They're too socialist for me. I'll go visit. Italy is too socialist. They have a populist um, prime minister right now. Do they really? Yeah. yeah she's, she's not socialist she's, at all. It was a they big deal. a lot, I guess. It What's was a face? big deal when she got into it because she pretty much told him to screw it. And I'm is, hoping you know, she has a mind then. of her own, sort of. And I'm hoping that it's a good. Oh, she doesn't have a mind of her own at all. She's a. She's got a. She's not a socialist. A, yeah, she's a. Yeah, she's a. She's not a socialist, but she's. Well, and paid for by the. She's got the mind growers. of a dictator. <laughs> I had I hadn't heard that, but oh yeah, she's for a different podcast. Well, popular. She's she's um, you know, an admirer of Turkish Mussolini? politics, Hungarian <laughs> politics. Not not Mussolini. Okay, but okay. I think somebody called her Mussolini, and she was like deeply offended. And I was like, all right, but. You can see the Venn diagram overlap, lady. <laughs> I forget her fucking name. I don't know. I'm just hoping she doesn't change the rules on citizenship because I really I am trying to wiggle in there. Have you guys ever been a victim or a part of the negative hustle culture? The scammers, the con artists, the Ponzi schemes? You guys ever been involved or so closely no. linked? I have. <gasht> but I want to see if you guys have what I Prince? say. No, not that. That's just that's just straight scam. That's not hustle culture. <laughs> I have actually. There was a guy who was starting a record label. He was a great big talker, hired me and a friend of mine to set up an office, then convinced us after 9-11, this tells you how long ago this was, 2001, to hang in there. 
because while this chaos is happening right now, we're going to ramp things back up. And so for about three months, paid our health insurance, but that was it. No money, no cash. And in January of 2002, said, hmm, yeah, we're done. And Damn. no money. No, it was probably at that point, it wasn't a lot. It was enough. It was probably 15 grand or something that he it's owed. It's your rent? It's, your it's rent my mortgage. mortgage yep, 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 exactly. And there's nothing we could do. Because the guy didn't have any money. We knew that he didn't have any money at, at that stage. Um, before that, we thought he had money. But yeah, he he scammed probably about eight or nine of us. And the worst was the guy that he got to finance the whole thing. I felt bad for that guy. So this all, wait, this launched before 9-11? Yes, it was probably January, February of 2001. And we'd set up an office and done some things, had some different meetings with artists and things, trying to get this record label going. And when 9-11 hit, you know, everything came to a screeching halt for a little while. I think this guy thought he was going to get a bunch of investors to jump on board and help support. So he kept putting it on pause. And on top of that, he used spiritual manipulation. To say, oh, God, God told me to do this, so it's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And finally, my friend said, you know, it's just, just a fantasy you have, like on, on a Zoom or like on a conference call. And Ben, that guy got pissed because like she didn't have the faith that she needed and all this garbage that comes out with that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, definitely, this is a spiritual hustle on top of the fact that it was a hustle. So, it was kind of a double punch in the gut sort of thing. You know, you want it to work because you think this is going to be great. This will be fun. Entrepreneurial spirit, you know, but it didn't last. And at the end of the day, you could say he owes me $15,000 that I'll never see. Gold stairs to heaven paid by the naive <laughs> donors. And there was a guy who gave a lot of money to keep that whole thing going. And he got it worse than we did because he not only didn't get, didn't get paid, but he invested all this money. So he never, I can't imagine what happened to him on the other side of that. Did anybody take try to take any legal? I don't know if that guy did or not, but um, he certainly didn't bring us into it. And at the, at the point when that happened, I needed a job. So I just started looking yeah. for a job instead of worrying about trying to get it out of you yeah, know, blood out of like, stone. Right, what time do you have? There. Right, exactly. You know, so yeah. God, Damn, that's, what these, that's what they count on too. Is that you don't have the resources to try and hold them accountable, right? What about you, Dom? You said you have been hustled. You had some Enron stock. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't involved in Enron. A little before my time, because you were in diapers. I was in diapers. diapers. I was pretty young. I was actually partly scammed, but also scammed people a little bit. Oh my God. Dominic yeah, scammed people. I know. I didn't know what I was doing. Should we it's, stop the recording? No, oh. we shouldn't stop the recording. You you know or are familiar with the Cutco knives? I was gonna ask you. That <laughs> was the thing. Oh yeah, I'm was, familiar. I I'm I have a familiarity, but uh, so Cutco is a knife slash cutlery making utensil making company. Yeah, really. They actually, their product is oh, this is not my beef with Cutco. 
they have a really good product that is nice and I'm not paid to boost on their product right now. But they outsource their door-to-door sales and marketing and all that stuff to Vector Marketing. Vector is pretty much a Ponzi scheme. And I've always, I, I don't even know when, how, I don't remember how I got involved or saw an ad or something like that, but it was some kind of job posting. I think it might've been on like our high school job board. And I was like, oh, like make some money in summertime. So whatever. So I like literally pulled one of the tickets, called the number, got an interview. And it was like out of this like little shopping mall office. So I go there and they do like this whole interview process. They're basically just trying to get as many people as they can, right? And essential job duties is to cold call, get a, generate as much leads, like go door to door and sell these Cutco knives, right? And they have this whole program where like you sell so much and then you get rewards and then you can like earn spots on these like crazy Cancun vacations and all this stuff. Meanwhile, like you're watching your boss and like the manager in the office go on those vacations. Right, like they're living multi-level the marketing. Is that what this was? Yeah, basically, and they're they're <laughs> living the life, and they're supposed to be encouraging you to chase the life as well. Oh and this is when I had a feeling things were were bad because it's like one of the first days, and we're sitting in this office, and there's like a bunch of us, maybe like 20, 30 people who are like new salespeople. Like their turnover must have been ridiculous at this place. And they're like, give us all your contacts. And I was like, what? And they're like, yes, like give us every single contact you have in your phone. And they asked, like required you to like write down so many, like you had to give a minimum at least, or you weren't allowed to like continue on. And I was like, well, first of all, if I want to do this thing, these are my people. Like, I don't want your greedy paws going towards them. Like they're not even going to know who you are. And then I'm going to have to deal with the, did you give my number out? And I think I did give some. I don't remember whose number I gave out. People that you hate. People you don't like. I Well, I didn't realize. I should have played my cards better. I definitely got played a little bit and brought some people into me getting played. But this is possibly the, the greasiest thing they did was. So this is supposed to be a summer gig. They said, if you sell so much, like we'll pay for your tuition, your college tuition in the fall. So I was like, that's interesting. How does this work? And they go, well, you just tell people that the tuition scholarship doesn't really exist. I was like, wait a minute, what? They go, yeah, just go to these sales. You generate sales by telling them that you need to sell so much. And by selling this much, you win the contest and your tuition is paid for. I'm like, but you're lying. They're like, well, it's not really lying because like you'll be making enough money to pay for college yourself. But I'm like, but you're telling them you're going to win a scholarship. There's a big difference than help me make money to pay for school. So I kind of got into this spat with them a little bit because I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then I felt really guilty because now I'm like selling Cutco knives to my grandparents. And I was there when you did that pitch to grandpa. You- That's what it was. <laughs> I remember that now. And then like, you know, the, of course he loves it. I think maybe he loves it more just because he was supporting me. But like he brings it up at least twice or three times a year because they still have it. And I'm like, I'm going to all these people and like I felt like I was more of like a pity. Like people were like, "Oh, like I'll buy a knife." Like, but they weren't cheap those knives. <laughs> oh, they were. They were super expensive. So, 
yeah, eventually I just stopped showing up and just kept all of the product demo bags and just kept it all. Cause I was like, fuck you guys. You guys are assholes. <laughs> and they're like, where are you? Come back. I'm like, no, fuck off. Like, fuck off. Yeah. It was, it was bad. Like, it was legit. It's some kind of, would you say multi level marketing? Yep. It's literally that mixed pyramid in with scheme. like Ponzi. Yeah. Pyramid scheme and lies. Like, they were encouraging you to, Straight up fucking lie to people. And I'm like, these are my family and friends you're Bernie asking me to lie Madoff. to. Yeah. It's it's nuts, but people like that is where I see the difference, right? You got the grinders out there, day in, day outers. You got what I thought were hustlers, like entrepreneurial, whatever. And then you got like like legit scammers. hustlers, scammers. Yeah, those are, like no, those are scammers. They are like, yeah. And they're crazy. You talk to them and like they're just all over the place and they're like up in they literally are in space. Because you can make money, but it's a house of cards, right? It's a house of cards. You have to keep, you have to find somebody else to shit them. So if I scam enough people, I get my life paid for. <laughs> That's wild. That's a real learning experience. It was a wild, it was a wild experience. Learn some lessons. Yeah, so if you ever see Vector Marketing, you can tell them to go fuck themselves. And on that note, we'll end <laughs> right there. <laughs> I think that was our most focused discussion yet. <laughs> Oh, my God. Everybody's in for a real treat. Thanks for listening to Boomer Meets World. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and like us and give us a good review. To reach out with a question or topic idea, email us at podcast at boomermeetsworld.com.